This is the morning worship service of Long Hill Chapel, April 5th, 1987. The scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The sermon titled, Good News is Foretelling, is by Pastor Bubna. This morning's scripture reading is found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Good news is foretelling. After all, all of us have experienced... uh, occasions when we realize that the, the joy and the thrill of the things that have happened to us is partly in being able to tell it to somebody else. Like the pastor who called in sick one Sunday morning, told the folk he didn't feel like coming, and then went out and played golf. And on the first hole, he made a hole in one. And he jumped up and down for a moment till he realized that he couldn't tell anyone what had happened. A great part of the joy is the telling. Our second uh, youngest granddaughter, Gina, was born in January of 1985, and Grandma and Grandpa went down to help out for a day or so. Uh, the two younger, the two older uh, granddaughters, Jessica and Julia, were uh, ecstatic with their new baby sister, and that was to be the first day that Jessica went back to school since the baby had been born. You could see the excitement as she gathered her books and was getting ready to go to the bus. And uh, Grandpa couldn't pass up the chance. I said, Jessica, would you like to make $2 today? Now, now Jessica is uh, a businesswoman at nine years of age. She knows how to get money, and she knows how to keep money. So the $2 was appealing. I said, Jessica, here's the deal. When you go to school today, if you do not mention to one person about the new baby in your house, I'm going to give you $2 when you get home. I wish you could have seen the look on her face. She says, Grandpa, no way. You are teasing me. Yeah. See, with Jessica, the good news is for telling. And even the prospect of $2 was not going to rob her of that joy. Can you sense that kind of thing in the scripture that was read this morning, this last paragraph? of Acts 2 that describes the lifestyle of this newly born church in Jerusalem. Jesus had preached for three and a half years. His way had been thronged by multitudes of people. Yet, uh, after that three and a half years, the number of true believers was fairly small. 120 of them had met in Jerusalem on the Jewish feast day of Pentecost. Jesus had told his disciples, wait 
Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And that day as they met together, the Holy Spirit came. The promise was fulfilled that Jesus had made, and the Holy Spirit brought to them a great sense of the presence of Christ within them and among them. And in a moment's time, these people became a Spirit-filled community, and that day there were added to their number 3,000 people. Notice the description of their lifestyle. It says they were devoted. Don't miss the word devoted. Tell something about the intensity of their life together. They met together frequently. We've talked about the fact that Christians meet together. The only way to keep Christians from meeting together is either to kill them or put them in prison. It is because they are filled and touched by the same Spirit that draws them together. They gave themselves to the Word of God, to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship. The idea there is not merely that they were together or they had social times, but they were sharing their common passion and love for Jesus Christ. They talked about Him. They let each other see into their lives how Christ had touched them. They prayed together. And don't miss that facet of their ministry together as well. And they broke bread together. Does it occur to you that this paragraph pretty well describes the things we've been talking about these Sunday mornings during our 50-day adventure? We, we have been focusing in on the idea that as we invite Jesus Christ among us and recognize his presence, and that presence is manifest, certain things are going to happen. We've talked about them. Uh, the, the fact that worship is going to be deepened. We are going to sense Christ's love shed abroad among us. We are going to sense his holiness. You see, it says there that there was a sense of awe among them. They were worshipers. They praised God. Did you notice it talked about how they served one another? They were selling their possessions and taking care of all of those in need. They met often to hear the apostles' teaching. There was a hunger for Christ to speak to them, and there was a great sense of the power of prayer. This morning I want to talk about one more thing that is true when Christ's presence is known, and that is it becomes natural to tell the good news. These were good news people. Now it doesn't describe the process that was going on, but it does make clear what was happening. When you read this paragraph, it's not hard to see. Here in the city of Jerusalem, in, a, in, a, in one day's time, there is born this wonderful community that is filled with God's presence and spirit and evidenced by their life together, their love, their care for one another, their ministry to one another. So what was happening was the people who were in this community, now 3,000 strong, are so touched and changed that when they go out, they've got to tell somebody about it. And when they tell it, these people are drawn by curiosity to come and see the fire, and they come, and they're touched by the community, the life, the fullness, the reality. Their lives are changed, and they go tell someone. What does verse 47 say? It says, and daily, daily, there were being added to their number those who were being saved. 
Let's think about this for a moment about ourselves here. Could we do that? We're met here today as a, a group of people who believe, who have given our hearts to Christ. And we are meeting here specifically today to take communion, to meet at the Lord's table. We're celebrating good news. The good news is that God, the eternal God, the infinite creator, has come here among us in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He has died on our behalf so that provision has been made for us to have eternal life through faith in him. Our Lord told his disciples that when they would break bread like this and when they took the cup, they would re remember his death till he came. We've met for that purpose today. Good news. Now, this good news we're talking about is not merely a, a verbal message. It is that. Uh, Paul, Paul sums up the verbal part of it rather succinctly in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, where he says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. On the third day he rose again. He was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message. But evangelism is not merely a verbal message. You see it here in this Acts description. It is also a message that is validated by the lifestyle of God's people. It's one thing to meet somebody who says, I need to tell you, my life has been changed. I have come to believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. I have trusted Him as my Savior. My heart has been changed. My sins are forgiven. My life is clean. I'm a new person. It's wonderful to meet a person like that. And it's bound to stir your curiosity. But it's another thing. It's another thing when that person invites you to come and meet a group of perhaps hundreds of other people who have not only had that same experience, but who are formed into a community of people where there is evidence the life of Jesus Christ among them. His love and compassion and care and worship and presence. That community validates the witness of the verbal message. Now here at Long Hill Chapel, we are committed to teaching people how to verbalize the good news. Part of our discipling process, we believe people ought to know how to, in a very natural way, tell the gospel. And uh, many, many of our folk are learning that. That is part of what evangelism is about, but that is not evangelism. Evangelism is telling the whole good news, partly which is the verbal message, but the other half of the good news is the body of believers. Evangelism cannot totally be separated from the idea of the body of Christ, which is what validates the message that is preached. So that very important to the witness of all of us who are here individually is what happens at Long Hill Chapel. Almost every week there are new people coming to faith through the witness of folk here at Long Hill Chapel. That's an exciting thing uh, to be part of. 
And a very vital part of that is not merely the fact that people are telling a message, but uh, that they are part of a fellowship that's alive and where Christ is present, and that message is being broadcast. I want to tell you a story about that today that I hope will encourage you and illustrate. I want you to meet Sally Drury. Sally Drury is a young professional woman who works at a consulting firm in New York, and she also is teacher of our kindergarten class at Long Hill Sunday School. Sally, come on up. Sally, uh, I remember you told me once about how you feel about teaching kindergarten kids. Remind me of what you said. Well, I said that I have a very good job, but the highlight of my week is teaching Sunday School. Oh, that blesses my heart every time I hear it. <laughs> Sally, uh, tell us how you came to Christ and when. Uh, well, it was in college through the Witness of the Campus Fellowship there. All right. And what we want to talk about this morning uh, is kind of an exciting thing that's happened in your life in the last several weeks, and all began with a phone call uh, sometime last fall, right? Yeah, toward the end of last year. An old friend from high school, David Broom, gave me a call when he moved back to the area. It had been a long time, and he contacted me, and we thought we'd get together to laugh about old times. Uh-huh. We better meet David. David, you want to come up? So you all met uh, and talked about old times, and this led to some other times together. Mm -hmm. And uh, during these times, there was not a whole lot of religious talk, but uh, Dave, you are sensing some things, right? Uh, you yes. talk right into this mic here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what it looks like. <laughs> um, yes, I didn't, wasn't really thinking any Christian thoughts. I was an avowed atheist, but I just noticed that there was something different about Sally's behavior and her lifestyle. Uh-huh. So this began to lay a groundwork for what was to come. Yeah, I believe so, it did. All right. So it happened to be on Valentine's Day that uh, the conversation took a turn, Sally, and I guess you were the one that turned it. Well, yeah, I said to David, so what do you think about spiritual things? Well, that's fairly direct. <laughs> that's fairly direct. And then, Dave, you said... Uh, I said I was a, uh, well, as diplomatically as possible, that I was a non-believer, and I was afraid she was going to ask that question. <laughs> um, so, Go ahead. Well, so then you told me something of what you believed, and I said, well, here's what I believe. Do you want to hear more? Yes, I uh, was, for some unknown reason, I was very curious in hearing what, uh, <laughs> what she had to say. So I shared about my spiritual journey and how I became a believer when I was in college, and and I said, do you know what I mean when I say I became a believer, what a Christian is? You said, no, not really. And I said, well, do you want to know? And so I told him. <laughs> <laughs> Great to tell the good news, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, uh, so you went home that night with your head spinning a little bit, probably. How did it look in the morning? Well, I was, um, when I went home, I wasn't quite sure what to make all of it. And when I got up that morning, I, I woke up with the thought that... Uh, rather insane notion that what had been missing in my life could be God. And it never, never occurred to me before. Uh -huh. And for years I had been wondering if something was wrong and what it was, and uh -huh. it only occurred to me that morning. So uh, you made contact with Sally that day, as I recall the story. Yeah, after uh, stewing about this all day, I called her back and said I had to talk to her. And so you got together that night? Right. Um, Dave sounded really agitated on the phone, and... So I said, come on over, and he just looked real concerned, and he said, you know, the last two years of my life have really been 
horrible. But he said, you spoke with a piece that I really wanted and that I just don't know. And then he looked up at me and he said, can you help me? I said, yeah, I can help you. <laughs> Why do you need my job, Amy? <laughs> so uh, you went home with the Bible that night, I understand. Uh, yeah, that uh, was pretty bizarre. <laughs> but I did, and uh, Sally had uh, outlined some passages for me, which I immediately looked through, and um, it just uh, kind of stirred my curiosity even more. Now, now before you left that night, and he said he wanted to go to church. Is that right? Right. I was going to say, do you want to? Can I come to church with you on Sunday? So, <laughs> so next Sunday, uh, the next Sunday, Dave Room is here at church. Uh, what were your impressions, Dave? Uh, well, I was. Well, the biggest thing was that I didn't come away with anything to criticize. <laughs> That's a start. <laughs> and um, I was impressed by the warmth and sincerity I felt here. Uh huh. And uh, it definitely made me want to give another shot. So you came back the next Sunday, and if, as I recall, that was our first Sunday of our 50-day adventure. And I was talking about uh, how we're, we're going to come to church believing that Jesus Christ is going to speak to us. And that there are lots of ways that God could speak to us. How did that strike you? Well, I call that Sunday my weird Sunday because um, it seemed that everything you had mentioned happened to me that day. Huh. And I wasn't ready to admit it that day. I did after that. But God was definitely speaking to me and yelling right behind my ear. <laughs> and um, I mean, in everything in the service, part of your sermon, things I saw and observed and heard, and uh -huh. when I went to the First Steps class. So you went to the First Steps class, uh, second hour. Yeah, that was. I thought I'd sit in and just uh, <laughs> see, what, see what all this uh, Christian stuff was about. And um, for my benefit, they described their experiences and how they came to Christ. And all of them, but to a, especially one of one story, really just seemed written for me to hear. Uh-huh. So I just came away saying, this is so weird. But you did come back the next Sunday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I recall, the next Sunday is when we invited folks uh, to come forward and pray with the elders if they had a need that they wanted to share. In it. I believe you came forward that Sunday. Uh, yes. Um, somewhere along the line, I crossed over and uh, just found myself you know, during the first hymn kind of humming along. and. Uh, during the second one, I kind of mumbled a few words, and then during the third one, I actually found myself singing a little bit, which I couldn't believe. <laughs> and um, I was sitting with my friends Mark and Karen Lumpkin, and uh, they gave me a little extra encouragement, and I think that's kind of a, that would be the one moment if I had, could pick it out when it all happened. Dave, it's been delightful to talk with you uh, some in these intervening weeks and see uh, the uh, reality of what God is doing in your life. I want to remind us of uh, three things that we can out of this conversation. First of all, that, that uh, acts of Christian love begin to lay a groundwork in Dave's life during, in this relationship. And secondly, there came a day when it was time to tell the good news, and Sally was motivated to tell the good news. And thirdly, what Sally was telling was validated in the fellowship of God's people. Sally, I'm so glad that you were motivated to tell the good news. Dave, I think you're probably glad too, are you? I hope so. It's pretty good. <laughs> God bless you both. <laughs> I 
I want to remind us one of the disciplines that we have been involving ourselves in uh, during these days has been seven acts, seven secret acts of Christian love. But this is a good reminder to us this morning that uh, acts of Christian love are what give a, a note of credibility and curiosity to people who are looking for answers in their life. Uh, we didn't talk about it in the conversation, but one of the things that happened in early in this relationship was that uh, Sally was shopping for peanut butter and jelly and bread uh, to make sandwiches that she takes every morning on her way to work to give to homeless people as she walks from the subway to her office. And this was one of the things that touched Dave's life, uh, that, that wanted him to know what all of this was about in her life. So these, these acts of Christian love are not only what uh, are become a thing of credibility to the world, but they are, of course, what causes the community of believers to be all that Christ meant it to be. With this kind of note, uh, we come to the Lord's table this morning. I trust that these moments will be ones in which we will renew our heart relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember that these first believers touched at Pentecost were people who were devoted, people who met together, people who broke bread together as we are breaking bread together this morning, whose hearts were tuned to the Word of God, who were worshipers, who shared out of their lives their experience in Christ, and who prayed together. All of those privileges are ours, and during these weeks, as we have given fresh emphasis to this, I think we have sensed a deepening awareness of the presence of Christ among us. Let's quiet our hearts and bow together and invite his presence among us further. Our gracious Father, we are so grateful for the sense of reality that comes when we give Christ his proper place, both in our own inner walk and the fellowship of believers. We are grateful for this table that you have called us to, that keeps before us the remembrance of your saving work at Calvary and all the results of that in our lives. Lord, we don't want to lose the freshness, the cutting edge of that experience. As these two folk talked this morning, many of us were reminded of that day when we believed, and when the first blush of new life in Christ was upon us. How exciting that was, how fresh and how new. And Lord, if some of us have lost that, I pray this morning that you'll renew that fresh joy. I pray for a great sense of gratitude during these moments. And Lord, I ask for uh, the flow, the fountain, uh, to be cleansing and renewing and refreshing each of us as we invite our Lord Jesus here at this table, as he has called us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.